I live in the city. In an apartment above the cloud left by the blast. I'm one of the lucky ones. One morning, I woke to find that my head was no longer attached to my body. I'm not dead, but who could call this a life? So I did what I had to do in a world of freaks and subhuman creatures. Scrubber. that sometimes finds beauty in chaos. I'm Paolo Carone, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and today we're joined by Gabby Abrego to discuss Ari Posen's 2005 ensemble indie drama, The Chum Scrubber. First off, I want to give a shout out to Thomas Curtis, who, as Charlie Bratley, arguably gives one of the film's most believable performances. As usual, we didn't know his name in the discussion, so I'm bringing it up here. Thomas Curtis, he's great. Second, this is our first discussion to be recorded outside of our apartment, and not to bore you with the details, but the sound quality might differ from that of previous episodes. I did what I could in editing, but I'm also in week four of an ear infection, so my hearing isn't exactly awesome right now. Anyway, thank you for your patience while we test out our new tech, and here's Carrie with the plot summary. When Troy, a pill-pushing teenager in an average suburban town, commits suicide, the community is left reeling. On one hand, the local teenagers are hurting for their missing pill connection, and they want to take that hurt out on Troy's best friend, Dean. On the other hand, Troy's mother and the other parents are busy pretending that everything is normal, all during the lead-up to the mayor's wedding. Dean is stuck in the middle, trying to play both the parents' and teenagers' games. But will the town of Hillside make sense of this tragedy, or will its chum end up scrubbed? This week's discussion gets a little looser than usual, so hopefully these lengthy, exposition-heavy samples will give you enough context to follow us. In our first clip, Dean, played by Jamie Bell, talks to his father Bill, played by William Fickner, about Troy's suicide. Bill is a psychiatrist and author, but the film portrays him primarily as a buffoon whose solipsism has alienated his family. Here's that clip. Uh, Dean, I was hoping to get your opinion on something. Can you come in here for a minute? It'll just take one second. publisher sent this over. It's for promotional events, you know, book signings, lectures, <laughs> TV. 
You got a good eye. What, what, what do you think? Is it too much? Uh... What do you want, Dad? Let's have a seat. I want to talk to you about Troy. Come on, I told you everything already. You told us the facts. What we're all interested in now is how you feel about it. Dad, who's we? Well, your mother and I, of course. And, and I guess a lot of people. You threw us off for a loop there, pal. Hold on a second. Is this a therapy session? Is that what you're doing? No, not at all. You think I'm crazy? Of course not, Dean. Hey, we're just talking here, man to man, all right? Just talking? Absolutely. Man to man? Dean, I know that Troy was your best friend. Actually, we weren't really friends. We hung out sometimes, that's all. Did you have a better friend than him? I don't really have any friends, Dad. You know that. Right. So, strictly speaking, Troy was your best friend. And how do you feel about the suicide of your best friend in the world? Real shitty. Come on, son. Make an effort for me. Dad, I told you before, I'm not all broken up about it. I know I'm supposed to be. I'm just not. You're really not. No, sorry. No, no. I, I, I understand how someone might respond like that. What are you writing? Dad, I thought we were just talking man-to-man -man here. Just one second. Dad, if you write about me again in another one of your stupid books, I'm gonna kill you. Stupid? There are several major book chains around this country that would disagree with you on that point. All right, Dad. The happy accident alone is gonna pay your college tuition. Sure. All right. Fine. Dean's mother, Allie, played by Allison Janney, is a sympathetic but stereotypical housewife figure whose attentions are mostly divided between the kitchen and an Herbalife-esque product called Veggie Force. In our second clip, Allie is visited by Carrie, the mother of Troy, played by Glenn Close. Carrie, who wears an expression I can only describe as a deranged smile, is clearly having a strong reaction to her son's death, but still feels the need to keep up appearances. Here's that clip. Hello, Allie. Carrie, hi. How are you? Am I interrupting? No, come in. I'm just in the middle of making dinner. Would you like a glass of wine? Oh, well, I left the car running. I just wanted to come back and return your dish and say thank you. It has been such a relief to not have to cook lately. Everyone has been so nice. Oh, what? This dish. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> is, is not the right one? Oh, I got so many. I mean, you know, I've been driving around all night returning them. I'm, like I say, everyone has been so nice. I don't believe I brought over a casserole. Can you hang on just one second, Carrie? Am I making a mistake here? 
Bill and I were meaning to come over, Carrie. Really? You just get so busy. No, but I'm certain. I mean, you came over. We had coffee. We talked. Right? Or am I... just imagining the whole thing? Is that what I'm doing here? Am I just... imagining all of it? I'm sorry, Carrie. You, you just get so busy sometimes. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Right, here you are preparing a nice family dinner. And, Sorry, would you like to stay and eat? And I just come in and interrupt everything with no reason at all. Why don't you stay? I really can't. I have so many dishes to return tonight. Everyone has been just so unbelievably nice. So we'll see you on Sunday, Allie? Sunday? Oh, don't tell me that I forgot your invitation to Troy's memorial. It's this Sunday. Of course, Carrie, right. We're looking forward. We'll be there. Oh. And I, I wanted to let you know, just in case you were wondering. Yes? In no way whatsoever do I blame you for Troy's death. Good night. Is harassed by Billy, played by Justin Chetwin, a high school bully that wants Troy's remaining stock of feel-good pills. Billy, along with his sidekick Lee, played by Lou Taylor Pucci, and other friend Crystal, played by Camilla Bell, hatch a plan to make Dean get the drugs, but it doesn't go quite how they expect. In our third clip, Crystal tells her mother, played by Carrie Ann Moss, all about their plan, but just like every other adult in the film, she's not really paying attention. Here's that clip. Hello, boys. Hi, Mrs. Falls. It's Jerry, please. Who's this? That's Charlie. Well, hello, Charlie. I don't think we've met. Hi. <laughs> so what sort of trouble are you kids up to tonight? We kidnapped Charlie to blackmail this guy into giving us a stash of drugs. Very funny, Crystal. Except we got the wrong one. We wanted to get Charlie Stiffle, but we ended up getting Charlie... Bratley. Charlie Bratley. Wait a minute, Bratley? Is... Is your mother Terry Bratley, the designer, Terry's Interior Visions? Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't she getting married to the mayor on Sunday? He's gonna stay here tonight, okay? Sure. No problem. Um, uh, Charlie, can I get you anything? Some, some blankets, pillows? Mom, we're fine. Okay. As you just heard, Charlie Bratley's mother is Terry Bratley, played by Rita Wilson. Terry is an interior designer who spends most of the film preparing for her wedding while ignoring her husband-to-be, aka the town's mayor, Michael, played by Ray Fiennes. In our fourth clip, Michael finally asserts himself after a day of bizarre behavior. Here's that clip. Look, Terry, if I could just talk to you here... I'm just going to take the bath, okay? It's been a long day. Terry, we have to talk! Michael! I have done absolutely everything to prepare for our wedding. Everything! All you have to do is show up, okay? That's it! Show up! Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. You are going to listen to me! Michael, no. It's about the day we met. 
There's something I never told you. And what does he need to tell her? Well, the film cuts to a flashback that's primarily visual, but for our fifth and final clip, here's what Michael, holding a copy of Dean's dad's book, says to Terry when the film returns from the flashback. Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for a discussion of The Chum Scrubber. To begin, each of us alike to actually conjure magic. This must finally be our goal as free-willed beings. The joyous acceptance of a pure state of synchronicity through the seemingly random, happy accidents of our lives. Don't you see? Nothing is random. Nothing happens by chance. There, there is a, a power at work here. A power that, greater than all of us. Don't you see what this means? I, I just love you so much, Terry. Tomorrow, I'll show you everything. to 2018 and our first episode of Secret Cinema for the new year. So congratulations on making it. And we have a brand new guest <laughs> for a brand new year. Uh, please introduce uh, Gabby, uh, Gabby Abrego. Uh, please introduce yourself. <laughs> hey, I'm Gabby, Gabby Abrego. There we, go. <laughs> we did it. Yay. Uh, well, uh, should I go further? Oh, no, that's good. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we now people know who you are. Yeah, and we just watched Ari Posen's 2005, uh, I guess, indie drama, The Chum Scrubber. Oh, that was so nice. Yeah, The Chum Scrubber. And uh, <laughs> I've seen this a bunch of times. Carrie's seen this a bunch of times. With Gabby, uh, you have not seen this before. The, the Virgin. Yeah. And so, what did you think of this movie? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I like wanna I wanna say like well it was it was entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a thinker. Um I'm I'm like a little bit in between of like I don't know if I generally like it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. But um I think it was I'm trying to say something intelligent about it, and I'm struggling. Well, I'll, I'll leave it fine. at that. Yeah, that's good for now. Gary, <laughs> Gary, what'd you think? Well, so I, uh, right before we watched the movie, I kind of learned what the chum scrubber is supposed to be. Hold off on that. But, so, that kind of opened this movie up a little bit for me, but every time before this, when I've watched this movie... It has been totally inexplicable. Yes. Like, I have not... I've <laughs> oh, been good. Like, <laughs> I've been like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It makes no sense. Like, you watch it, and it's not like the storytelling is complicated or hard to follow, but at the end, you're left going, I feel like the title of this movie could have just been, huh? With, like, a big, giant <laughs> yeah. question mark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but this time... 
watching it because I learned what a chum scrubber is. Oh, is there like a definition? There's of a like chum yeah. There's even an Urban Dictionary of like course, uh, of entry because of course there is. I hope it's just dirty as. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll be disappointed. <laughs> but because I learned the definition, that kind of opened the door for me. But I will say that they do a terrible job. The movie does a terrible job of explaining what a chum scrubber is because it wasn't until I read up on it that I figured out what it was. Ah. And then the movie kind of made a little more sense. It still makes no sense. I was going to tell you now, this is how I wanted to start the discussion. So that's what I'm like, don't, don't dwell this too long. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we will get, we have to get into that because it's like yeah. the whole thing of the movie. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I've seen this enough times where I think like the last two or three times I've watched it, I get everything. I get every single thing they're going for, and to an extent where, like, I can actually watch the movie not ironically. I'm just like, oh, I can see what they're doing. The thing is, it is terribly written and terribly made, regardless of what the actual intent is. And the first time you watch it, there is no possible way to actually know what it's going for. Yeah. It is so poorly made that you can only get it through, like, f- like forced reviewing yeah. until you, like, put stuff together. And that's why I wanted to start. Gabby, based on the movie you just watched, oh, yeah. what is The Chum Scrubber? <laughs> or why is the movie called The Chum Scrubber? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, like for me, the biggest takeaway is about, like, bullshit suburbia and the effects of, like, I don't know, white privilege and capitalism. I'm, like, getting this, like, oh, these white people have all these problems and the kid killed himself, drugs, and this, like, odd connection to, like, zombie people or maybe just these, like, white people who really don't have... They don't care for each other. Yeah. And the chum scrubber goes around and he's like, hey, you're the chums. I don't know. I'm like trying really hard. But you know what? Like, and so I see the like the like attempt to like point out the bullshit of suburbia and like the weak relationships that people attempt to build with each other. But the dolphin thing is just really great. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think, I hope that chum scrubber and dolphins like that goes with each other somehow. Is, How, is chum scrubber an aquatic creature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carrie, what, okay. So now, now that we've said that up, what actually is it? <laughs> okay. So, uh, chum scrubber, according to, the director, Ari Posen. The chum scrubber is everything that a community has suppressed or denied or tried to ignore, and it is the collective denial of that community that gives birth to a character that cannot be ignored. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I, I want to... <laughs> wait, so, here's wait the but thing. like, yeah. like is this even a, was this a real word word before this movie? Did he make this movie? Man, word I, I don't know. Okay, because <laughs> this is the, this is a key thing for the movie. Any movie that has like a central metaphor to like organize, but especially in something like this, this movie is sprawling, has many plot lines and many characters, and clearly the chum scrubber is supposed to be the uniting metaphor. And the movie if what you say is, I mean, the director said it, he never makes that clear in the movie that that's what no. it represents. And I, the first time, so I don't mean to interrupt, but the first time I saw this movie, I thought that the chum scrubber was a character in a video game 
that inexplicably links all of the teenage characters together. And that was, like, it. That's what I, that's, like, the only thing I thought. Well, like, the way that it ended, it was pretty clear that they were trying to pull Troy's death like into the the reason why you know like oh he is at you know him like morphing into the the chum scrubber and yeah he, it was like apparent that like his death was like bigger and and it it meant something to the to the game but it just it, they really didn't connect it that yeah. well to the actual show or whatever agreed yeah know, okay so just for a, a little bit of setup for the yeah. listener uh so the very first like key plot point is there's a character named Troy who's a high school student who, like, works with doctors to get drugs that he sells to everybody in this California suburb he lives in. And Troy commits suicide, and... Spoiler alert! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the first three minutes. But everything, everything that happens in the movie is from that. But after Troy kills himself, when Troy reappears as, like, a hallucination or... Like, the ostensible main character, Dean, played by Jamie Bell, sees him. He sees Troy as the chum scrubber, and the chum scrubber is shown as, like, a TV show characters watch. There's a video game they play. There's a comic book people read. I didn't realize until watching this time that literally every piece of pop culture that isn't a song they're listening to is the chum scrubber. Like, Dean has a chum scrubber statue on his bed, and when he finds Troy, there's, like, the sign that says, Fear Chum Scrubber in Mm -hmm. the mirror. But it's, like... None of that being there implies anything because what the chum scrubber is is like a headless guy fighting zombies in the post-apocalypse. And, and also, it should also be mentioned that it would be one thing if the movie started with this metaphor. Mm. If it opened, or if it like stated what the chum scrubber was, like yeah. you know, in movies where it starts with like a definition, it'll be like, well, but that would be given like, it away though. That, I mean, I mean, not that they couldn't have given it away and it still would have been like, what? You know? But, like, I, I feel like that would have been a little too much. But too here's much. here's why it would have been too much. And I, I, this is what I'm going to argue and the big thing about why this movie is so terrible is that it would have been too much because there are no... By the way, the movie's terrible. There are no human beings in this movie. No character behaves or does anything that a real human being would do in this situation. And so if you had introduced this metaphor in the beginning... And, like, this is what the movie's about. It would have been fine if we saw real people dealing with, like, real grief in a real way and, like, real repression. But instead, the, like, ten or so plot threads are all these, like, very, very... Self-absorbed And simplistic, unlikable people who do things that are bad, but also do things that don't even really make sense. And there's a lot of stuff where it's like, (laughs) it seems like characters when they're not on screen are literally doing nothing. Like they don't even, they're just like standing in place waiting for their next scene to start up. So is the whole movie actually a video game? Because it kind of, the way the movie starts is it shows basically like a suburb being built on a computer. Which, by the way, does this suburb remind you of the, the like, model suburb in um, Arrested yeah, Development? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Like, Sunken City or oh, something? Oh, hidden, what not? Sudden Valley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sudden Valley. Sorry. You almost said Hidden Valley, didn't yeah. you? Well, <laughs> and then I also want to just quickly, like, compare the, like, chum scrubber animation to Sims. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Like, hilarious. Yeah, well, okay. 2005. Yeah. It was, like, That's the good. big year. That was I was good. definitely playing the sims <laughs> anyway sorry i was always building families and then like i would i would build a pool 
and have them go swimming, but then I would like take the, the stairs um, out. The stairs out and then they swim. <laughs> and then they finally let them get out. Anyway, it, the movie bookends with another shot of the suburb being like a computer village. Yeah. So are we supposed to assume that the whole movie is a, like, video game? Because if it is a video game, it's a really boring video game. I don't think it's supposed to yeah. be a video game. I think they were just, like, trying to put the, the like, I don't know, the, like, hey, look how it compares. You know, they're, they're trying to give you that sure. they, um, illusion. They never, to it. they never make explicit why we would assume pop culture would represent repression. Because it's clearly, like, to some degree... That seems to be, like, the link they're making. Like, people retreat into pop culture, but there's literally... I'm entirely putting that on the movie as, like, that's the only thing that makes sense. There's nothing... Like the drugs was the... Yeah, the, the drugs... I mean, symbolism the, the drugs depression. make more sense as the escape yeah. thing, but there's no way to link the video game or the Chum Scrubber character with, with the drugs, drugs yeah. other than the fact that the person who becomes the Chum Scrubber was... But again, yeah, it's like that. It's, it's but that's like, the thing is, like... <laughs> When I was reading up on the movie and what the, the director has said is this movie isn't about, like, the drugs. Yeah. It's, it's not about the kidnapping. It's about the fact that the parents are acting like children and the children are acting like adults. Yeah, and yeah. then so, like, that one scene where, uh, where Dean's mom is like, wouldn't that just be great if we switched, <laughs> if we switched roles? Yeah. Like, the drunken woman just like, you could be, you, the, could, you could be the parent and I could be the child and you could just tell me what to do and I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, mom, I gotta go. <laughs> and she's like, okay, mom! Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so is that, that is, I guess, what the chum scrubber is, is it's like the denial that the parents have about their children? Yeah. Well, like, I guess we can start with, like, so Troy's, Troy's mom is played by Glenn Close. Uh, I don't think I got her name. Oh, her name is Carrie. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so Glenn Close, uh, she, after her son commits suicide, she has, like, this, like, rictus joker smile and in every scene and she keeps like she she goes to Allison Janney and tries to return a casserole dish but Allison Janney didn't give her a casserole and then Glenn Close says to her by the way I just wanted you to know that in no way do I blame you for Troy's death yeah and it becomes like her mantra she like repeats it like we at one point see her like calling someone and leaving a message with their child like tell your mom that in no way whatsoever and 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 that's her character like that and that's what I'm saying at the end of the movie it's revealed that the reason she's saying that is because she blames herself for Troy's death. Yeah. But, uh, okay, but, like, wow, that, wow. That, is, that is her entire plot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what a waste of a good actress. Yeah, a yeah. really great actress. <laughs> Why did she take that role? They probably paid her lots of money. Yeah, cash grab. Yeah. I was thinking she was probably, like, the highest paid actress or actor Ooh. in the film. Maybe her and, She's, uh, like, the biggest name, wouldn't you say? Well, and Ralph Finney. Ray Fiennes, Ray yeah. Fin- However yeah. you say it. Ray Fiennes. Voldemort. Valdi. <laughs> <laughs> there were, I just want to point this out, there were three actors in this movie, like three key actors that weren't American that were cast in American roles. Like, okay, so there's Voldemort. Then there's 
Then there's Draco Malfoy's dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Malfoy He's British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was Jamie Bell, the main character. He is not American. Really? He's British. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's for sure British. He- Okay, irrelevant. I was gonna say that he always reminds me, or the other guy, the like, um, what's the the, the Facebook movie? Guy? Oh, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> they are like the same <laughs> <Wow>. guy. <laughs> Don't they have the same face? Jamie Bell Think has about it. <laughs> Jamie Bell is like beefed up since, whereas Jesse Eisenberg has like fully embraced his scrawniness. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jamie Bell was uh, in the new Fantastic Four movie where he Shut came, up. But yeah. he's the, the rock guy. He's the guy who turns Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> that is like the best thing that has come out of Charles Crawford. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the rocks. Um, okay. He's the pile of rocks. But okay, so... Let's. What's what's a plot thread that we can, can we talk about in? the dolphin a little okay, bit? Okay, let's talk about yeah. Ray Fiennes. Let's talk okay, about his perfect. entire arc. So Ray Fiennes, his, his character's name is Michael. He is the ma- he is somehow the mayor of this town. And at no oh. point in the movie do they do anything other than have him be the mayor. And at one point, he's like walking with a bunch of people. He does nothing mayorly. Yeah, nothing mayorly. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing like even like, <laughs> like powerful yeah. even in the movie. He's like he's getting married to Rita Wilson, mm-hmm. and Rita Wilson uh, can't be bothered to listen to him or spend any time with he's him. Pussy he's I pussy don't understand with, yeah. why she's marrying him because she ser- seriously doesn't give a shit about him. Yeah, but he uh, he's been reading this book. Well, the, there's a, a self help book. Uh, written by Jamie Bell's character's dad, who's played by William Fickner, and it's uh, Ray Fiennes has been reading it while sitting around. They show him like sitting watching Rita Wilson try on dresses, and he's getting through this. And he has some sort of epiphany, but she doesn't care, and so he keeps like getting like kicked out of these. Like, he's almost about to talk about it, and then no one wants to listen, so he sulks away, uh, and then. What's like the the okay, so the first thing the first the key moment with this plot point is the wine he, yeah Jamie Bell comes over to like check oh my on, god I totally forgot about uh, the wine yeah ja- Jamie Bell <laughs> comes over to like see if their son is home ja- uh, uh, Rita Wilson uh, Rita Wilson's son uh, this, there's so many things to do but point is he goes over to Rita Wilson's house to check on her son and while there. Michael, Ray Fiennes, tries to talk to him, and he ends up spilling a bunch of wine on the floor. And Ray Fiennes has this moment where he he spills the wine, and then nothing in the movie would suggest that this is how anyone would behave, but he puts a sock into the wine, and then puts the other sock in, and has this, like... But he's wearing socks. Yeah. yeah, He's like, like, it's not just, like, a barefoot. It's, like, soaking the wine up into his socks. Right, right. And he has this, like mildly like sexual expression on his face where it's, <laughs> it's like, fetish, like it's, it's yeah, very yeah. it's very unclear what's happening and literally nothing in the movie at this point like like i said it started with it opened with like a weird computer game thing uh and then a teenager committing suicide and then somehow we have like gotten to a point where the mayor is like sexually fetishizing wine and uh so jamie bell just kind of leaps um how, what is the next, because again, this one's but, like, but I'm pretty sure before that, there was a scene where the mayor, I don't know which building it was, but he was standing outside of a building oh, it was that a had school. the dolphins on yeah. it, and he was just like, gazing at it, very amused, <laughs> yeah. and then they were like, look, it's him looking at dolphins. That was like the first little yeah. nibble. And Okay, and then, then what happens next is, 
He goes uh, to rescue Charlie. He, yeah, he and Rita Wilson go to rescue Charlie, I who's Rita Wilson's son. Well, well, they go to get him. They don't really know retrieve. that. They don't really know that what's going on with him. But they, they, she gets a voicemail that indicates that that Charlie is at the house of a neighbor, and uh, the neighbor. It, we'll get into who the neighbor is a little bit. But Ray finds while they're there, he just walks out into the backyard because he's like marveling at this house is where he and Rita Wilson met. He walks out of the backyard and there's a pool and in his like full, he has like a button up shirt and nice dress pants. He like climbs into the pool and just like fully immerses himself and starts swimming. And we see dolphins lining the tile, like built into the tile of the pool. And, and then he gets out and, and Brita Wilson's like freaked out because he's soaking wet and he's just, he's clearly like giddy giddy, yeah. and he's not explaining He's got why. a Voldemort face. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I had dark magic. <laughs> Ray Fine's face throughout this movie looks like he's like physically forcing his mouth to make American dialogue. Like it, like it looks like he's like actively cringing to resist being British. <laughs> and like, but yeah, so Ray Fine's that happens, and he's like clearly very moved by like being wet and uh, having all this happen. Um, it's so sexual. Yeah. Do you guys want to know what the director said about his storyline? Because that well, let's, was... Let's get through all of it first. So oh, sure. Uh, so, after he climbs into the pool in his slacks... He, and dress shirt. And dress shirt, and watch, watch, and shoes. Very much wearing the watch. He's yeah. he's fully dressed. Ruin the watch. Yeah. He, <laughs> uh, he goes back to his house, and he's reading that book, which is called Happy Accidents. I kept trying to read the subtitle, but I could yeah. never get the subtitle. Did you, did you guys see it? No. No, I missed it too. Yeah. We could have paused. <laughs> yeah, we could have, but I think it was blurry on purpose. Mm. But anyway, he tries to confront Rita Wilson, and she's like, no, I don't want to hear about it. No, no. And then and then she's like, please don't leave me. She whispers that. She's to herself, like, yeah. Yeah, to herself. And then when he tries to confront her about it, she's like cowering in the bedroom, which that made no sense to me. Yeah, exactly. She's like... Please just shut up. You're being crazy. I just want to get married, and that's all that's important. It's very clear to me that her character is just, like, petrified of rejection yeah. and being alone. And, like, they don't ever explain why yeah. her and her ex-husband Got separated. Divorced, sure. But, like, she obviously, like, maybe even, like, feeds off the power of the fact that this guy is the mayor and, you know, wants to, you know, likes her fame and knows that if she's his wife, she'll be even more famous. Yeah. Blah, 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 garbage. She's a horrible human being. Really bad, yeah. Just, like, maybe maybe one of the worst characters. Yeah. And they don't, like, it would be one thing, too, like I was saying before, it would be one thing if she was, like, horrible for a reason other than she needs to be horrible for the plot to happen. But she seems to just be a uh, just a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like like you said, too, there's no... They set up a backstory that she used to be married to, like, the sheriff or of whatever of this town. Like, this, police like, guy. This police guy in the town. Alone, Dad. Yeah, John Hurd. But nothing about that relationship actually factors into why she behaves the way she does other than it's just another way of making the plot more complicated. It's like a little way to like have more information keep from reaching other people. So after, uh, so 
Ray Fiennes gets in the bathroom and confronts her and is like, listen, I had never told you this thing about the day we met. And they flash back to... The when, day they met. The day they met where they're at the neighbor's house. And like I said, he's having his mayor moment where he's walking and talking about just like, this housing development will be very important. And there's a bunch of people behind him. That's like the, the only mayoral thing he does in the whole movie. He wears a lot of suits. He does, that is but true. But he doesn't seem to know anyone who lives in his town. Yeah, he, he really is like... It's like, could you imagine if the mayor was, like, this, like, really wimpy guy that, like, every once in a while you saw? Like, you know, how, how could you respect a mayor who was, like, constantly being browbeaten by everybody he knew? Yeah. It seems really weird. But anyway, in the flashback, he's walking and Rita Wilson is, like, up on the balcony of the house fixing something. And she knocks the speaker off and it hits him in the head and gives him a dolphin-shaped scar on his forehead. And he starts being like, oh, I'm fine. I just... I feel so different now. Like, he almost exactly says that. And he stumbles and knocks some paint over. And he steps in the paint. (laughs) And as he's walking, his footsteps are, like, shaped exactly like little dolphins. And the paint that he knocks over spills and forms into, like... Oh, like, man. Like a chocolate milk dolphin. Perfectly stenciled. Perfectly stenciled. That that part of the movie is... By far the craziest. And, and then, so it's just very clear that he experienced some, like, pretty intense trauma to his brain. Yeah. <laughs> like, brain damage from that, like, head injury. Yeah. And um, obviously had a concussion. He couldn't walk straight. People are just like, oh, Mare, you're okay now. Yeah. Dolphins! Dolphins! And then that was, like, it. Yeah. And then... And the, did you notice that the only person who comforts him is the woman who dropped the speaker on his head? So, but she was in a balcony. So she had to run all the way. So he was just like laying on the ground well, until. You know, sometimes people are like, don't move the body, don't move the body. And maybe she was like, let me put him near my breast. Also, again, could you imagine like in a rich California town, the mayor being like knocked unconscious at a public event? This is post 9 11. Like after 9 11, I feel like if a government official was like knocked unconscious, end of, end of social uh, gathering. Like they would carry that guy into a car. Uh, she would not be allowed to, like, have, like, a beautiful relationship with him. But we come out of the flashback after he's been knocked unconscious, and he's he's quoting this thing in the book where, like, that he is able, is like, sometimes you are able to conjure magic. And he's like, like, I've conjured magic with the... Don't you see? And the dolphins mean that there's, like, a plan for me. And, and she's like, she basically, I don't, like, she responds positively because he's not trying to leave her, uh, Rita Wilson is like, but she doesn't. Think, but she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I don't know. I think she's still reacting to his like pretty much psychotic explanation. Yeah. One of the things he says, because I wrote it down, because I was like, this is weird. But he says something big is happening, Terry. I feel like there's another person inside, inside of me. Yeah. And it's like, what is and, the other person a dolphin? Yeah, Gabby. <laughs> throughout the movie, and she emphasizes, like Gabby, you said you've never you've never seen this movie before, and so when you're watching it, it's it's good to remember that the first time through, he might as well have a dolphin in him for the way he's talking and behaving. There's literally no rational explanation for the way he's behaving in his, like, dolphin obsession. And the movie, the way that you're supposed to take it is literally, like, at face value, yeah. it seems. Uh, and then he stays up late one night and paints dolphins all over his house. The day before their wedding. Yeah, and yeah. so when she wakes up, she wakes up to get married in her house at, like... Like, the sun is fully up. Like, people are... She wakes up, and then within, like, a couple Lazy minutes, people bitch. are showing up to, like, 
be at the yeah. wedding. And she, it did seem like a pretty half-assed wedding. I mean, there were like what twelve chairs. Let's at that not wedding. ignore how low budget this movie. Yeah. They used yeah. two houses this whole time. I'm not surprised. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like the same two like fake houses that they just moved. <laughs> By the way, around. this wasn't that low budget. It was ten million dollars. Did this All movie of, which look like, like ten million dollars? Six million went to Glenn Close. <laughs> <laughs> or or that like video game designer. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, okay, I need a digital guy with no head walking through a street fighting zombies. You got it? Okay, how much is this gonna cost me? And again, if you, uh, just really just fundamental filmmaking stuff. If you're gonna go through the effort of like having someone digitally design an original character, an original world, find a way to clearly link that to the plot of the movie. Yeah. Like, go out of your way to make it important. Like, you spent the money. Why would you like half-ass it after you? Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But Ray finds. Okay, so it's the day of the wedding. He has painted blue dolphins all over the house, and she's freaking out. She, like, wants to repaint the entire house so that no one can see these dolphins. That part where she's, like, hanging the curtain over the dolphins, I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, aren't you not... supposed to be an interior designer? <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? Yeah, she was ruining her feng shui. And nobody cared. Nobody, I mean, not like, a single it, person it was, it's, I mean, it's very clearly, like, that's the point, is that she cares. No one else cares, but it, like... She, after everyone shows up, she continues to, like, she's so, like, I don't know, again, her character is not trying to, like, talk, like, why would people come to this wedding if she's the type of person who is, like, so self-obsessed that when her guests are there for her wedding, she's not just trying to be, like, I don't know, nice or talk to people or, like, she's not happy about anyone being there. She's only interested, and, and I, it just... The other thing <laughs> is, like, random people showed up, like, their neighbor, remember? The the doctor who wrote that self help book. It yeah. wasn't random though. No, I but mean, he, like their neighbors. Sure, but in, like, but like he decided that morning he was going to go to the wedding. He was like, "Oh, I think I'm going to go to the wedding." To make a professional connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was and very then, like clear they, that all of these people are connected with each other for their own personal benefit. Yeah, and then, and then I'm going back to this like very overt like white privilege, like, suburbia, like, BS, yeah. like, we make relationships to make ourselves more powerful. Oh, that was, yeah. That was very much a strong oh, message in every single character. But, so, really quickly, everything with the Ray Fine plotline, basically, that is the end of the Ray Fine plotline. Yeah. Because what happens is it's very clearly implied that, like, at the wedding, he sees the neighbor whose pool he went into, and they clearly are, like, going to hit it off. And then in the epilogue, it is shown that, like, he has quit being, he's quit politics to become an artist full-time, and he is now with the neighbor. And that is the entirety well, of and his he's, And he's painting dolphins. <laughs> and they never really explain why, what's up with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Go into, is there an explanation for well, the dolphins? Yes. Wait, 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 if the whole, the, I, yes. Guess, I guess if anything, <laughs> the idea was that, like, it was because he's like, there's a bigger purpose, and then at the end, it reveals that the neighborhood was a dolphin, and so in some way, his like drawing the dolphins was like a significant like magical act that was necessary. I guess, Carrie, you said you. That's the mayor. No, keep, he keep guessing. 
the development. So did he always make, was that his plan to make the but that's, and the shape of the dolphin? But that's why I'm wondering if this movie took place in like a video game or television show because why else would the neighborhood be shaped like a dolphin? Because the mayor was a psycho. <laughs> he's a magician. <laughs> he's a wizard. <laughs> yeah, also, if these people live in this neighborhood, do you think it would be like a, it's not a secret to them that they live in a dolphin-shaped neighborhood. You can like accidentally <laughs> move into a neighborhood and they'll like uh, never know. How this are you supposed to know? It looks like an aerial view. But, but it would be yeah. But it would be like, you would have to actively design it. It's not like you're like, well, wow, it accidentally has like a dorsal fin and a tail and a nose just like a dolphin. It's like pretty, pretty definite. I don't, yeah. But the point is, like we just described to you a full plot line and that plot line isn't the main plot. Isn't the main plot line, but also has is so thin and is so weird. Like, if it wasn't so weird, it would be just as bad as every other plot line. Because what do we gain? What do, as viewers, what do we gain from him going through this experience? Uh, <laughs> but still, is, did the director explain the dolphin? Yeah, so, you know, a bunch of critics basically shit all over this movie because <laughs> yeah. everyone fucking hated it. Shit not. Um, but somebody especially was like, the dolphins, they, I kept looking for meaning in that symbolism and there was none. And so the director came out and said that the dolphin is meant, and this is like total fucking bullshit to me at least. I uh, Just when to I, give an excuse so when that I, people would stop giving a bad review. When I read this, I was like, this director must be terrible at his job because he did not. <laughs> Obviously, did you watch the movie? <laughs> but he didn't convey this in my mind whatsoever. But he said that Michael's character and his obsession with the dolphin is meant to represent his ability to see deep beauty within chaos. What? <laughs> yeah. How does that, that is like anything? The, that guy was <laughs> drunk when he answered the question. He was like, whoa, I'm really uh, like, uh, it's like, you know, uh, deep, deep beauty and chaos. Uh, deep beauty and chaos. Uh. Yeah, that's what he said because every other character is so obsessed with the chaos whereas he is obsessed with the dolphins. <laughs> and so I guess he gets it. I don't know. It doesn't seem no. like. Because it's so crazy. It's so crazy and so ungrounded. And he's not, he's, he's not an unlikable character. He's probably the most likable character. That doesn't mean we can relate to him at no. all. <laughs> and so, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't translate to us emotionally or psychologically. We're not like, Oh yeah, I should, pay attention to what I step in because it might be shaped like my destiny. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, and to be fair, he probably comes out the best oh, yeah. of any character. So his ability to see past the chaos allows yes. him to succeed. I don't know. I do appreciate his, like, chill out, man, attitude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like the most California yeah. out of yeah. all of the cast. Like, dude, like, just chill the fuck out. Yeah, happy accident. Think about the dolphins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. And, and, and another thing I, I want to mention is, so this book that Michael reads, it allows him to have this breakthrough. But 
we are clearly in the movie not supposed to like the author of the book. And at the end of the movie, in the epilogue, it's shown that nobody seems to really read his book or like care about him as an author. And so, again, it's like if we are supposed to take away a certain positive thing from Michael's story, it's confused by the fact that the movie has such obvious like condescension toward the thing that inspires his breakthrough. Yeah. Like later, I mean, the only other time, the only other character who really has a moment with that book is when Dean grabs the book and throws it at his brother. Or when, at the beginning of the movie, when he opens the book and there's a cutout where his drugs are hidden. Yeah. <laughs> the happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's also, the thing is, the book is supposedly about Dean. Because yeah. Because he goes out of his way to be like, Dad, I don't want to be in your next book. Leave me out of it. Is that implying that, like, their firstborn was an accident? I don't know. That's why I kept trying to read the subtitle. <laughs> where I was like, what is the happy we accident? We don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> is the happy accident, yeah, is the happy accident their son? Like, they never talk about it. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Maybe they thought this movie would be a happy accident. The only happy <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> Same. All right, well, uh, most of, we kind of mentioned this before, but most of the plot lines involving the adults in this movie are the same. They're basically like, the adults don't listen, the adults are like repressing stuff, and it's, there's a variety of specifics, but beyond like Glenn Close losing her son, most people are just like suburban, alienated white people. It's super generic. It like really, like, is not that unique. So I guess... The, the most major plot line we should talk about is the kidnapping plot line. Because it is, like, the plottiest thing. And then it ends the up mattering not whatsoever. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter at all. But it, like, it manages to involve everybody. And so we might as well talk about it. Because That's true. It's like a, it's, like, a big chunk of the movie. And I don't really... There's no point in going through each adult's storyline. Because it is not... Like, Ray Fine's storyline is interesting because it is fucking nuts and it makes no sense. It is the most ridiculous. And Glenn Close's storyline, it was worth mentioning because she actually has some sort of, like, obvious human transition from, like, I was repressing things and now I am not repressing things. And th- that's it. But every other parent, like, it just doesn't matter. They're all good named parents, though. Like, uh, Dean's mom is Allison Janney and then the dad's name is William... William Fickner. Yeah. Man, I almost thought his last name was Sphincter. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> that, that'd be cool. William Sphincter. Billy Sphincter. William Sphincter, star of the cum scrubber. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's that porno? Um, and then the dad... We already talked about Draco Malfoy's dad. And then also the boss from White Collar. Yeah, which was up. so weird. And, Who, the, like, and the Home Alone dad. Yeah. And then who was that blonde lady? She was so familiar. Well, she was very familiar. Which blonde lady? The Draco Malfoy's wife. Oh yeah, wife. I, I don't know. I she she was Draco familiar, Malfoy's but dad's wife. She's I mean she's she's so unimportant in this anyway. And maybe like, also British. Oh maybe yeah. yeah she maybe is also British. <laughs> who knows? She's very insignificant. Oh and then also Trinity. From the Matrix. Yes. So the neighbor that that Ray Fiennes ends up with is uh, is Trinity. Uh, Carrie Carrie Ann Moss. Yes, that's her full name. Yeah, yes. I know her. You know, she's her. also in Memento. Yeah, she's in Memento. Right. Also, right. we have the same name. 
And she spells it right, so I know her. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the kidnapping. <laughs> okay, so the teenagers, let's knock them out. We got, first up, we got Jamie Bell, a.k.a. Dean. AKA Dean, a.k.a. Billy Elliot, a.k.a. Rock Dude from Fantastic Four. You had to learn the go from being Billy Elliot to the Rock Dude <laughs> in Fantastic Four? Great casting agent. You had to learn how to say the word Billy and the word ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that guy must take so many steroids. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's very tall. Yeah, I would. I he's would. like he's like James McAvoy minus ten years. James McAvoy. Don't understand. <laughs> All right, that. but okay, wait, okay. Jimmy so, so first, Jimmy Bell. Okay, second up, we got Justin Chatwin, aka Billy, aka Billy, aka he's also Steve in Shameless. He also is a bad guy in Orphan Black. Um, all, it's funny because he's a drug dealer in Orphan Black, so he's got a <laughs> kid, typecast. That kid sucks all around. <laughs> he's always a bad guy. He's a bad guy in uh, Shameless, too. Anyway, okay, so he's the bad guy. Then we got Crystal. A.K.A. the worst actress in the movie, <laughs> Camilla Bell. And oh, my God. Camilla Bell. Yeah, that's her name. Which, it's funny, no relation to Jamie Bell. Uh, they spell yet. She an extra E. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Crystal is all. She was also in a, when a stranger calls and Lost World Jurassic Park. She got eaten by those cool dinosaurs <laughs> at the beginning. She also now is kind of like a fashion icon, by the way. No. And what was that? What? Um, how? She. I'm like trying really hard to remember how she's connected to these like underground femi actresses. Like, who's the woman that did the? Um, what's the movie uh, about the woman who gets an abortion? And and it came out in like 2014. You're thinking of Gabby Hoffman. That's who you're thinking of. Oh, they both have <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> The eyebrow thing. How but, did you know that that's what she was talking about? But the eyebrows. But uh, but anyways, this this what is her name? Camilla. Camilla. She Bell. is like more known as like a fashion like actress now, kind of uh, like the Chloe. Well, yeah, because she's a young lady she's a terrible actress. I always think she of, was good at getting eaten by dinosaurs. <laughs> I think of Camilla Bell as like the deer in headlights version of. The woman from A Knight's Tale. But Deer in Headlights implies that you are a good enough actor to be able to, like, open your eyes. <laughs> like, she can't... She, she, has, got, like, she always looks tired. She, yeah, she has, like, that... Like, I, it's almost stoned, but her eyes are too clear. To, it's just, like, half-lidded, under... Like, all of her lines are delivered no, like this. Yes, like, she was terrible. She was yeah, awful. Just, like, the were, no, Dean, why don't you like me? Dean, nobody, <laughs> Dean, nobody cares but us. Dean... They're going to hurt the boy. Dean, I am so sorry things went this way. Dean, just, Dean Troy was my friend. He was my friend. <laughs> Dean, Dean, Troy's not in the room right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same. The same the whole time. What is She's it? as good as that porn star actress that was in that terrible movie we watched. Uh, open window. Oh god, Sasha Gray. I think like, she tried to. I don't know. When when watching it, I was like, she kind of is putting off that like monotone. Like, what was her name? Rachel Lee Cook. Kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. like, oh, I'm like cute and like quiet and edgy kind of thing. She had definitely had the same but, haircut. 
Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. That like peace. So 2000 look, you know. <laughs> That's why I said a knight's tail. Because yeah. she had the same haircut yeah. as the girl from a knight's tail. Yeah. But that woman was a Six way Sassaman. Yeah, way better. That's actor. what I'm saying. Yeah. She's like the deer in headlights version of Shannon Sassaman. Okay, yeah, that's very good. But I think I like Shannon Sossman way better. Yeah, Shannon Okay, Sussman. so that's the third teenager. Then the fourth teenager, <laughs> we, just, <laughs> we just, like, ridiculed that woman. It's cool. That's the whole thing. She got paid so, so well much. to do that yeah. horrible Maybe, story. like, $6,000. She's, so. <laughs> she she's sitting on a beach somewhere in, like, a Gucci dress. I'm not saying she's a bad person. I'm saying she's a bad actress. <laughs> She's just bad at her job. Lots of people are speaking bad at their Gucci, jobs. Speaking of Gucci, speaking of Gucci, Lou Taylor Pucci, <laughs> the fourth teenager. Is that really his name? Yeah. Oh my god. So and Lou Taylor Pucci somehow was in both The Chum Scrubber and Thumb Sucker in like the exact same year. And Chum Sucker. And Chum Sucker. <laughs> and he, he plays Lee, who is... Thumb Scrubber. Who is... His, Lee's dad is Draco Malfoy's dad. So by the transit of property, he's Draco Malfoy. Uh, <laughs> he has the same <laughs> Are we not just going to like uh, like do the weird conspiracy that Chum Scrubber is actually Harry Potter? Yes. And we like go into the, <laughs> how the plot's aligned. But who's Dumbledore then? Is Michael Dumbledore? <laughs> there weren't any gay characters. He con- Michael, Michael's talking about conjuring Charlie? magic. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Oh, but like Charlie as the Culkin boy is actually Dumbledore. He has the magic. Yeah. Okay. Also, we should mention too, I, this this kind of blew my mind when I thought about this. Maybe it's stupid, but Camilla Bell, Lou Taylor Pucci, and Justin Chatwin kidnap, they try to kidnap Dean's brother to basically extort out of Dean the drugs that and, Troy had. And that, the brother is actually played by... Coley Culkin, or whatever you said. No. The real, the <laughs> Colin Culkin. Dean's, Culkin. Yeah. <laughs> Dean's actual brother is played by Rory Culkin, but they kidnapped the wrong kid, played by an actor unknown. Uh, we did Poor guy. But He was seriously the best. He was really good, especially for his age. But I thought about this. This is a movie involving high schoolers who are dealing and taking drugs, right? Yeah. They remind me a lot of Charlie Bartlett, right? Yeah. What is the kidnap victim's name? <laughs> Charlie Bartley. Charlie Bratley. Bratley. It's so close. It's like oh, it's like almost the Charlie Bartlett uh, prequel. Like this kid has what happens to him in this movie happen, and then he grows up to be Charlie Bartlett. <laughs> Man, R.I.P. Anton Yelkin. Yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> I'm like lost on this uh, cultural. Did you ever see Charlie Bartlett? No. Oh, I knew Carrie had seen it. So. I really, I actually kind of like it. It's pretty good. Putting it on the list. We can watch it after we re- stop recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but first. So they uh, they kidnap Charlie, and the this happens very early in the movie, and it is like a majority of the movie is these three teenagers taking Charlie between various houses and places. Uh, they buy him a hamburger. Buy him a hamburger. They take him to a pool. Uh, they make him play tuba. Uh, he goes to uh, Carrie Ann Moss's house because Carrie Ann Moss's uh, daughter, daughter is Camilla Bell. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, they're doing a bad job at kidnapping. They have a him. slumber party. Yeah. Well, because they're not like it was very clear that they were like not wanting to hurt the kid at first. Yeah. They were just 
using him and blah, blah, blah. And then it turned into a weird slumber party. But then the asshole, Billy, like, smashes his tuba in the morning. And then yeah. that's when shit hit the fan. Yeah. When the tuba went down, all everything all which, hell broke Which I also have to introduce a very important thing, which is that... Billy has 20-20 vision. Uh, Billy, this is introduced because Billy is just staring. There's like a, a contrail up in the sky and Billy's staring at it. And it is so high up in the sky that it is, there's no way that he could tell. But he says, oh, that's an F-18 Hornet. I got perfect vision. It's a gift. It made me think, and this is a little bit of a hint as where is this going, but it's so closely paralleled the Little Miss Sunshine plotline where Paul Dano is like, like I'm gonna, what, I'm not gonna talk, and then when I get out of high school, I'm gonna go to the military academy and fly jets. And uh, man, if you're a teenager in a movie and you want to fly jets, it's gonna go bad for you. Something's <laughs> gonna be, be wrong with your eyes. Yeah, I knew something was gonna happen, but I forgot what was gonna happen. And then when it did happen. <laughs> It was the best thing yeah. that happens in the whole movie, besides the dolphin stuff. All right, let's get there. How do we figure out this? Man, there's so much still we have to go through with <laughs> the kidnapping. I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's all pretty, like, straightforward. They kidnap yeah. the kid, they keep him for too long, and then the kid's like, hey, I'm ready to go home, and then they're like, oh, but we've had him for so long, but the, but let's try to kill him. But before, even before that, they, like, try to get rid of him, but then when they do the handoff, the drugs that they oh, try. Oh, right, because the whole point of kidnapping him was to get the drugs from the dead kid's house and they use Dean and then that's what wait did we already explain all of that kind of sort of so <laughs> got this yeah. shit yeah. so okay it's Let's, like not complicated but it is complicated it's so stupid it's yeah it's needless <laughs> it's, the, the key word is it's needlessly complicated yeah there's absolute. there's too many characters for what but is but it's happening. like almost like like, the plot is so stereotypical yeah. that it's, like, needless to explain. Like, yes. like okay, my beef is, okay, Lou Taylor Pucci. I really like him as an actor. I think he's actually a very talented actor. But what was the point of him being in this movie? Yeah, his character... Well, his character's, like, totally useless, except that he plays off of I Billy. I know. I think they, they, they really wanted to, um, like... Put you out the, a gang of the, three. The very stereotypical, like, okay, one kid is the bully leader, alpha male, and then he uses the the, the like nerdy, nerdy like um not the nerdy kid, but he's got a sidekick that sure. he uses as his like, hey man, you go do that, it's all you, and blah blah blah. Sure. And then he's got like the hot chick that's just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, oh my god, can we talk about how for like the first ten minutes of this movie she was wearing an ascot? Yeah, she had that little scarf. She was wearing. I, I was like, "What the fuck?" She had like the mini purse. It was so two thousand. Yeah, and everything she's, about and it. She's introduced she that, to that placebo song. A friend in needs, a friend indeed. And so oh she, yeah, <laughs> yep. And she's wearing like a jean mini jean mini skirt. Yeah. Those she are was, really coming back. Did she ever have sleeves no. in the entire movie? Yeah, yeah. she did. Uh, no. And the the yeah, but she, it was like those cap sleeves. It was like yellow. It was like a yellow. <laughs> Technicality. She, okay, she wore a t-shirt. She did wear a t-shirt. Yeah, right? she wore a yellow yeah. I mean, they're in California. It's hot yeah. out. It's hot out. They went swimming. Yeah. A lot. But she 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 never wore sleeves, but she wore a fucking ascot. Jesus Christ. All right. Let's since since Gabby made the fair point that there's no real point in like getting into the specifics, let's at least get into the specifics of how this kidnapping plot resolves itself. <laughs> Because that's basically the end of the movie. That's a, like we might as well just talk jump about ahead, that. Yeah, <laughs> jump ahead to that. Um, jump around. So they basically, like, like we said, they decide. Lou Taylor Pucci and Justin Chatwin, Billy and Lee, decide that they have to kill 
Charlie to cover up that they kidnapped it's him. So which irrational. It makes no sense. The whole point <laughs> of the movie is that the adults do not pay attention to the kids. Like this yeah, is right. reinforced literally every scene with the adults. The other thing that doesn't make any sense is Lou Taylor Pucci's character is like we're going to go to jail because they're going to find out that we kidnapped him. So, so to avoid him. jail, yeah, yeah. we're going to kill him. And they decide to kill him by, like, stabbing him, which, of course, there's going to get evidence everywhere. Yeah. Like, come on. I know it's 2005, but Forensic no. Files was First, on TV. he tried to strangle him yeah. <laughs> and then was unsuccessful and was like, he's stronger than he looks. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the alpha male Billy was like, here, man, here's my knife. And he, like, whips it out. Stab him! Stab, stab him! him. <laughs> and he got, like... And then, he, and then he stabs him yeah. again. Yeah. It's like a 12-year-old kid. It's like... That, yeah. again, and again, this that is... wild. Another thing to emphasize, the first time you watch that movie, like, nothing tonally... This movie is a fucking disaster in terms of tone. This, like, but this last scene, this, like, stabbing and yeah. all... This it, by far the most exciting scene Fair, in the movie. yeah. But it also is, like so much darker and more serious than everything else. Like, every again, nothing has any real relatable stakes, and so when you're, like, seeing a 12-year-old child get stabbed, it's, like, real. It's really real compared to everything else. It's very shocking. I'm not, like, mad that it happens in the movie. It's just that a good director would find a way to make this, like, feel like it was naturally going to come out of the plot. But... They stab him, like, they give him like, a glancing stab in the gut, and then they, like, really yeah, stab him in the leg. Yeah, and then they ask him, wait, but before they do, they stab <sighs> him in the leg, they're like, did we stab you? Did you, did you, did you, did you break you the it? skin? Did you do it deep enough? you! <laughs> that yeah, little kid so, is so good. Yeah, so they stab him real hard in the leg, and then he manages to... Finagle the knife. The knife, and then he... Very heroically. Wait, Dean, because Dean runs in. Dean and uh, and uh, Crystal run into the room just enough to like distract Billy and Lee, who are like are trying to like. I think it's like the like what happens is Lee stabs Charlie in the leg, and Lee is so weak that he cannot <laughs> f- pull the knife <laughs> out of Charlie's leg. Milk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then yeah, they they run in and. At that moment, because they distract Billy and Lee, Charlie pulls the knife out and then, like, in one, like, fluid samurai motion, <laughs> just slices Billy's left eye, Shunchi and Andalou style, like, right in half, and uh, leading to easily the funniest moment in the whole movie, <laughs> which is <laughs> just uh, Wait, Chaplin's... let's have Gabby reenact yeah. it. Ah, <laughs> and then there wasn't there, like, something like. <laughs> my eye! Yeah, it's a very like really short. But there burst. was like some like pain, like <laughs> <laughs> like weird noises. Yeah. My favorite was he gets his eye, his eye clearly gets cut in half, and there is at least a three second pause before he yeah. reacts at all, where he's yeah. just holding his eye, shock, and then he's holding it. <laughs> well, I didn't even realize that he cut his eye. I thought he just like slid him in his pretty boy face. Um, but then real when quick... he started screaming my eye, I was like, oh, they got him in the eye. There's a really good. short close up of like an eye oh, being slit in half. Okay. Yeah, they like cut past it really quick because it'd yeah. be pretty brutal <laughs> to see. But uh, so. Billy wanders out in the street. Like they keep like cutting, like keep cutting back to him, being like, "My eye, tell me, my eye." 
and uh, and like the, he it, somehow it, makes it out of the house. Like, doesn't he have to go up a flight of stairs? He's like, yeah, he's. He, well, I mean, he's still fully intact. He's just yeah. his left eye is. But, fuck. But he makes yeah. it outside. He, he's like, he's walking, there's like a girl on a bike. He's like, why, I? And the mom runs and grabs yeah. the girl and runs away, <laughs> which is solid. That's a great joke. Yeah. But they cut to Rita Wilson, who's like, her wedding has started. She's like walking down the stairs of her house. And you can hear, my, eye Like overlaid yeah. very quietly. Also, all of the high people oh. in the funeral. Yes. Oh, so yeah. just very quickly, uh, there's a, uh, the Troy's wake is happening at the same time as this wedding and Rory Culkin through means that aren't really interesting ends up drugging everybody with every single drug that Troy had in his possession at the same time leading to like, like the stoned, uh, wake slash like fuck fest. <laughs> they were like, like, uh, Draco Malfoy's dad is fingering his wife on the couch. Oh, will make I, well, his his hand is between they, her legs. It was like out. you can see the movement of yeah. the wrist at it. a funeral. Hey, yeah. Well, you that's know, some kinky you're shit. You're fucked up. When you're fucked up, you're fucked up. But they yeah. all they all hear Billy going, "My eye!" And so they they look out the window and walk outside. And you know, just kind of standing there watching this like boy like bleeding <laughs> with the eye. They're just like standing there numbly watching it and. They, they all, Rita Wilson's outside right when John Hurd, uh, Charlie's dad's cop car, pulls up. And he looks at her and sees her in the wedding dress. And it's his ex-wife, so he's distracted. They he like, has a lock, moment. They lock they eyes together. They have a moment which almost implies that, like, oh, we really love each other. Yeah. yeah. Like they yeah. still love each other. Yeah. Oh, they have right. a kid together. Yeah. But. Which uh, they don't care about at all. No. Nobody's <laughs> taking care of their kid. That poor and, But this moment, is it, it doesn't actually matter emotionally it's just to distract him so that he hits billy with his car and he hits he hits billy with his car cut to probably the least realistic depiction of what it would look like to get in my car which billy like floats like levitates upward into the sky and there's this like shot where he's like like frozen in the sky for a moment he looks up and sees a jet and even though one of his eyes is gone he's still like I know what exactly kind of jet that is, and then falls onto the cop car, causing the windshield to explode and everything. And nobody cares. No character acknowledges this. They all run to Charlie. They all start arguing about other things. Nobody, nobody cares. It does not matter. It's just the resolution of the kidnapping. And uh, then it pretty quickly gets into like the epilogue from there but yeah after that happens everybody walks outside and they're like what happened and nobody is helping billy off of the cop car well he's just such a shit yeah yeah <laughs> that's true and i feel like earlier they like alluded to like his family not having much respect in the community because yeah. his dad's like just a mechanic and you know his mom's not around and it seemed like in general like his his character and like his like family and everything just didn't really yeah. matter they, to anybody else they also allude that billy's dad is like open to abusing him very much, yeah, that was weird, the one, like, come with me. And it was like, well, what? What just happened yeah. there? Well, there's also the thing where they show up, and the dad's in the driveway, and he literally has just, like, a table full of tools, and he's not working on anything. He's just yeah. standing in, like, a white beard with tools. And they talk to him, and they're like, hey, we're just going inside. And he starts to, like, starts to tell, like, a story about his wife. And Billy's just like, yeah, we're, go we're going to go inside. And the dad is like, really dejected. So... And, like, one of the other things that I read from the director is that, and I noticed this throughout the movie, it was very consistent, 
because the whole point of the chump scrubber is this like denial and the fact that the kids are the parents and the parents are the kids he shot the parents from above oh yeah and he shot the kids from below Man, I did not notice. It's very slight. It's not like it's a more drastic. apparent with that dad, though. I yeah. do, I do feel like that angle was was always there with him. Yeah, and it's not like a drastic from below. Yeah. It's like okay, here's yeah. where eye level is, and here's where he shot the kids, and then here's where eye level is, and here's where he shot the parents. But considering, like all things considered, <laughs> why wouldn't he like make that more? deliberate of a choice like yeah if he's gonna go that far why wouldn't he just explain what chum scrubber means or just like even shoot it in a heightened way to match the weird like non-realistic tone of the movie like orson wells did low angle high angle to show status cinematography in citizen kane this is like super fucking old shit <laughs> to try to pull as a director and to do it and be like, yeah, I did it. I was trying to show this and to do it in such a half-assed, like small way that doesn't actually like, like you're, I, there's no shot in this movie that is good. There's no beautiful shots. There's mo- shots that are fine, but at no point am I like, wow, this, he really yeah, knew what to do with this scene. It doesn't seem like even they the, know what to do with any scenes. Even the cool shots where they do things like, uh, Dean is trying to sleep in his bed, and then J- Glenn Close is like shoveling the uh, garden yeah, yeah. in his bedroom. Even that looked crappy. Yeah, it didn't like. There's no emotion to it. You're like, I get it. I get what you're going for. Boom. That's it. There's a lot of I get what you're going for, and not a lot of oh, I actually feel what you want me to feel. No feel. Yeah. yeah. This. Yeah. G- yeah. This movie is definitely really entertaining to watch. Because it's so bizarre and it has like its own logic, but there's no like there's a few key moments where you feel something like I felt you feel bad for Charlie when he gets stabbed, and the moment when Dean finds Troy's body it's so early in the movie, so you assume that that's something that is going to be taken seriously, so it matters then, and then the movie completely like blows past that, and yeah, for the most part, there's no actual investment in these characters' emotions because he's too interested in the big picture thing that he's trying to say with these characters. Well, and there's supposed to be that emotional catharsis at the end of the movie where Dean's like, I do he care. He was my best friend. It was my best friend. He was so smart. <laughs> he liked a girl and never told her. He was the only no. teenager to ever want to be a rock star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but it just is like, it's like too little, too late. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it, that's the point. Yeah, there you go. That's the point, ladies and gentlemen. Well, and there's, the movie even starts, like, pretty tone deaf, where he walks in on his friend's suicide. Oh, tone deaf is the perfect way yeah. to describe the entire movie. Yeah. yeah. There's no moment that's, like, so handled so poorly it's offensive, but every moment is handled poorly. And that's a big part of why, like, we don't know how to feel about things until the plot lines are resolved. Because we, like, with Rita Wilson, we we don't like her when we watch the movie. Nothing she does is likable, but nothing, she's never presented or, like, filmed in a way or her scenes aren't structured in a way where we, like, know why we are not supposed to like her. We just know that it's unpleasant listening to her talk. And if only there was, like, 
a large, like, if, if it felt like a world, like, it felt like, welcome to the world of Chum Scrubber, here is the tone, and here are the short stories, and, and it, it builds some sort of catharsis, like, I think of Magnolia, because this is broadly what Magnolia is, is, like, a series of, I mean, literally, Magnolia is a series of stories in California of people repressing things and having a catharsis at the end. Wow, this is basically, like, super shitty Magnolia. But Magnolia uh, really, it has moments of comedy, it has moments of extreme tragedy, like child molestation and abuse and, and rape and things like that. But it has, it is able to balance that with moments of, like, beautiful romance and comedy and like, and like genuine catharsis and like people actually caring about each other and so it like it, it's just ma- better actors yeah maybe. I, <laughs> well definitely a better director yeah and better you know and so yeah it's better. like it, it, maybe, yeah so there is i guess yeah so what i'm saying is like there could maybe a different director could have done this material better but ari posen who is a this is his first feature film he ever directed Definitely is not that guy. Uh, are we sure it's a man? I believe so. I think I saw a picture of okay. him. Uh, <laughs> he's only directed one other movie, and actually it's a movie I would love to watch yeah. and make fun of, because the movie, it's an Annette Benning movie that came out like two years ago, but it's about how Annette Benning's husband died, and she ends up falling in love with someone who looks just like her husband who died. Uh, one of those. It's yeah. called The Face of Love. Shut <laughs> Doesn't that sound terrible? It sounds like one of those, like, oh, my wife died in a car accident, but her eyes were, like, given to a child, and now that child thinks they're, like, my wife, and then we, like, fall in love somehow. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like, it's like romantic single white female. <laughs> where, yeah, someone morphs into the person you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I'd love to watch that and make fun of it. It sounds like it. I I mean, sometimes Annette Benning can be good, but that doesn't sound like an instance uh, where. Uh, <laughs> argue I think the not. guy that she falls in love with is Greg. It's Ed name. Harris. Oh, it's Ed Harris. Yeah, Ed I'm Harris. pretty sure it's Ed Harris. Yeah. Pollock. Yeah. Pollock <laughs> himself. <laughs> Ed Harris of History of Violence fame. Uh, Westworld guy. Uh, okay, I can uh, keep going. Okay. Since we kind of we, we got to the end of the movie, let's. I want to talk about a broader thing, and maybe you guys don't agree with me, but I I noticed watching through this time, like considering which characters are supposed to be sympathetic and who isn't, and how everyone's depicted. What do you guys think of the way women are depicted in this movie versus men? Especially considering what we were talking about with like Rita Wilson's character being awful, and um, oh. Allison Janney as a mom. Like, she's so domestic. She's and, like, super... her, her like, one way of showing that she cares is through, like, cooking. Yeah. Like, she, they utilize food so much with her. Like, oh, please eat the breakfast. Oh, I'll make you pancakes. Yeah. Like, that's, and, you know, oh, I'll, okay, I'll make the casserole. And her and... job is that Vitamix or whatever. The Veggie Force. Yeah. yeah. The, like, pyramid uh, scheme. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, like, uh, what's that? What's that actual pyramid? Juice Plus. No, 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 the actual pyramid no, scheme. Well, Juice Plus like, is, is almost exactly the same as what Veggie Force is, as depicted. Herbalife? Herbalife, thank you. Nature Force? I don't know, there's yeah. so many. Yeah, yeah there's so well, many. Well, I would say, in general, all of the women are shallow. Very, and, like, yeah. 
stupid. Think of like Camilla Camilla Bell and Carrie Ann Moss's characters. Like remember the scene where she's like where Camilla Bell's mocking her mom about her age. Yeah, and like she's those two just terrible, yeah. like, vapid. Like and then and even like uh, Dumb and Dumber Girl, Lauren Holly, yeah. just oh, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Like and and then. Um, what is she when she's like giving her the wedding gown in the first scene? Um, she like uh, was it Rita? Yeah. Was, she yeah. like talks down to her like, oh, oh, well, I know this isn't your focus as like a wedding dress. Yeah. I don't retail. think I'm being unreasonable. Yeah. 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 And oh. it's like, what the fuck is going yeah. for, on? For me, I honestly didn't notice that the women were terrible because everybody in the movie is awful. You know, but, like the men are, are equally awful, but I guess they're, but, everybody is, every gender is awful in a stereotypical way. But, but oddly enough, I, I think that the men um, maybe are showing a little bit more like emotional yeah. expression than the women. Think of sure. Dean, Charlie, and Michael. Dean is clearly the hero character of the movie. Sure. Uh, Charlie is clearly very sympathetic. And Michael is clearly sympathetic. Yeah. But we don't get a female character. I mean, Camilla Bell is, I guess, the closest we have to a character who is, like, emotional arc we're supposed to take seriously, but... She can't deliver any she emotions. Can't, she can't deliver it. And Dean, then, I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then no other woman... Like, even Carrie Ann Moss, who clearly, like, we're not supposed to hate, is, like, a very depressing character. No, I think you're supposed to hate her. Oh, I yeah. she liked her. Because she's that mom that hits on the teenage boys and, like, shows her tits off all yeah, the time and is... Like, you're totally supposed well, to Well, yeah, it's either, either way. But, like, she gets, like, a happy ending. And, like, it's, yeah, yeah. And, and, the thing, and the thing with, like, Alice and Well, Jamie, you know why? Where... Because she can see the beauty, the but deep wait a beauty through the chaos. She can appreciate Almost all the, women. the dolphins. Almost all of the women get a happy ending. Cam- Camilla with, with Dean. They're, yeah. They're not, not Rita. Not Rita. She's the only one that does it because she's horrible. But, but then, um, but like, close it? is, like, she gets closure yeah. on, like, her relationship with her dead son. Yeah. Um, well, and Alice, but Alice and Jamie's epilogue is that she is, like, oh, becomes, she becomes, like... she becomes the leader of the veggie fresh. <laughs> yeah. Veggie Which, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean in she terms of her story? Purpose, and did she get divorced? I want to know what happens to Rory. Yeah. <laughs> because Col- that Col- kid, Col- he was fucked up. Yeah. With the constant chum scrubbing video gaming <laughs> and the like weird twisted mask that he always wore yeah. Yeah. and never playing the drums but had drumsticks. And then the fact <laughs> yeah, that he chose point. to drug a bunch of people. Yeah, he definitely drugged a bunch of people. Also, what year did this movie come out? 2005. Really? Yeah. I gotta say that Rory Culkin's my favorite of the Culkins. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We just rewatched Save, though, and Macaulay still is. Yeah, Macaulay's pretty, pretty, pretty good in, in Save. Well, Macaulay is the king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Rory Culkin in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And he's pretty great. And he's also good in AP Goes Down. Hmm. That movie's pretty sad, though. Oh. Yeah. Pulls up in your heart, springs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but look at how, um, like, uh, you know, in and out those Culkin boys are. They're in it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're pretty well it. connected. They're working it. It's the face. Well, and Macaulay and the Culkin. hair. Oh, man. They want that, that Culkin face out yeah. there. Yeah. It's, it's like just a, weird because it's kind of like a little melty. Like a puppy dog. But it's also, there's like a little bit of an edge to a Culkin. Like, if you see a Culkin kid, you're like, this isn't going to be like a pure kid. You know, they got, they got that, like, um... 
What do they, what do they call it? Like bloodhound dog. <laughs> <laughs> Sniffing them out. I imagine no. the casting directors are like, okay, we need to get a kid that has that Culkin edge. That's Just call it the Culkins. Okay. <laughs> like, they got one extra, you know? Man, are they having kids yet? Cause then do they, they have any girls in their family? Culkins oh. having Culkins. <laughs> <laughs> Meta Culkin. <laughs> oh. I think we've talked enough about this movie, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the dolphins? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... Like, there is so much that if you're going to go, if you watch the movie, there is so much scene by scene where you're like, that's stupid, and that's stupid, and that moment doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's but, a lot of nuance. But it's really, yeah, you kind of have to watch it to, like, see, like, there's no point in bringing up each individual moment, because broadly it all falls under a, a, a tone-deaf directing job, and a screenplay that was either, like, hacked to pieces or was never sensical. And... I, yeah, there's really... Oh, yeah, the guy who wrote this, he's actually mostly a colorist. God, that's weird. <laughs> what? Why would... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was saying... Yeah, I don't think that Zach Stanford really wrote anything else. Zach Stanford. Zach. And the reason this movie got made, because originally Zach Stanford and Ari Posen were going to self-fund this movie, but the reason it got made is because... They somehow got it in front of Lawrence Bender, and he's like a producer for Tarantino. Yeah. And then huh. he passed it off to his partner, Bonnie Curtis, who is a producer for Spielberg. Ooh. And so they secured the funding. But why? They what, were what was all a, What drunk. about the screenplay? Yeah, they, they were all high. They were coked out. They mixed drugs in their food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they made that casserole, and they were like, Okay, let's write the casserole in and then do the movie. Man. Yeah. According to um, IMDb, well, okay, so IMDb said this movie had a budget of $6.8 million, whereas Wikipedia said $10 million. So I don't know which is right. Let's go with eight. Yeah, I'd say okay. IMDb is probably the, closer to accurate. But then domestically, this movie made $50,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the best news. <laughs> I know. Uh, nobody yeah. saw this. I don't Dude, what are the like rating? Like how many stars? Do they uh, have? I think it's like four point nine. How many tomatoes does it have? <laughs> does it has a hundred and fifteen tomatoes <laughs> out of five hundred. I got this many tomatoes. Um, that was nice though. It was a good time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it made me be like, what? Yeah. Every five seconds, which I think is better than just being like, this is boring. Yeah, it's, it wasn't boring. I, it wasn't boring. There is so sure. much to be said for like high budget, star filled movies that are just dumb as hell. There's something so fun about those, and uh, like. I think, like, um, another good example of this sort of thing is, like, Heartbreakers, the Jennifer Lawrence oh Jennifer God, movie, movie, where it's, like, You've it's, definitely seen that movie, Gabby. Gene yeah. Hackman and Sigourney Weaver are And in Jennifer it. Love Hewitt. And they're, no. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jason and Lee is in it. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, my God, you... Sorry, not sorry. You no, it's a terrible would, movie. I'm you not, would, like... I don't think I've ever This is, like, a totally movie you'd watch with your mom, but, okay. Is that the same one? No, it's not the same one. What is the one with Cameron Diaz? It's the sweetest thing? Close. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that the same movie? No. Uh, okay, so, worse. so Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver are mom and, and daughter, and they're basically con women who con a guy into marrying them, and then they don't get them to sign a prenup, and they steal all their money. And so 
they try to do this. Who would ever believe that they're related to each other? That's the thing. They're, they don't tell the person they're conning that they're related to each other. Also, this movie's bad. We're not <laughs> saying this is a good movie. My point, I'm just my, saying, who thought, like, oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt could definitely be Sigourney Weaver's daughter? Also, look at their faces. <laughs> also, Oscar nominee Sigourney Weaver, Oscar nominee Gene Hackman, Jennifer Love Hewitt will lead wait, this wait, movie. Wait, wait, wait. The was, point. Was, can, can I just say, mean, can I just say, shout out to Jason Lee because he's also, I love Jason Lee. You're a skateboard and Scientologist, Jason Lee. I, I, he's not a Scientologist anymore. All right. The he breaks my heart. No, he's left. God bless. Yeah. I mean, he's trying to leave. He's like, I mean, he's trying to leave. He can't come out and say he's left because, you know, then Scientology will try to smear him. Then, then they would, like, murder him. In then his he sleep. would be as brave as uh, Lee Romini. Uh, Ooh, yeah. slam. Slam. Fuck that dude. All right, but my point, <laughs> the point that I was really doing, which is that there's, it's so awesome to watch, like, a bunch of money that has been wasted on Throw something, something that is terrible but is never boring. It's like it's so easy to make like a boring bad movie. Stuart saves his family, but uh, a movie like this, it's like I, I've seen it like five or six times now because every time I watch it, it is consistently bad in the same enjoyable ways, and the plot is consistently weird in the same pleasant ways. I'm trying to think if there's another movie that's it as inexplicable. Mm. Good movie. Because there's so many movies I feel like I watch, and I'm like, why did this movie get made? Uh, what about- Especially like indie. What about Book In- of Henry? Oh, God. But that's like, Book of Henry is the Citizen Kane of this genre. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoyed Book of Henry, but yeah. okay, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> okay, teachable moments. Teachable moments. It's time to teach it up. you got to take suicide seriously. <laughs> Teen suicide is an epidemic. Teen suicide, don't do it. The- Drugs, bad, uh, suburbia, bad. Kidnapping, bad. Drugs are bad, they can make you mad. Sometimes glad, but mostly sad. (laughs) It's a lesson in this movie. That's that's what I'm taking away. Um, There's some real issues here, man. And dolphins, saviors. (laughs) (laughs) Super smart. (laughs) Super smart. (laughs) These signs all around. What's the um, Douglas Adam things song? Thanks for all this fish. Sure, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't really know Douglas Adams that well. All right, that's oh. that's my. What's yours? What's <laughs> actually? That was okay. The point. When you teach, what would you? What would you? If Literally. someone was going to watch this movie, what would you tell them? to pay attention to. What is the key thing? I think I would literally say (laughs) Teen suicide's bad. Dolphins are cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's a good poll. That's a good like, oh, I'm intrigued now. I guess if I was going to tell someone to watch this movie, I wouldn't tell them anything about it because... Like, you guys didn't tell me anything and I watched the trailer and that's it and you were like, I'm so glad that that's all you know about it. Yeah, because you thought this was going to be a lighthearted romp. That was what you said. I mean, I thought, and well, the trailer made it seem like in this quirky suburban town. Well, it's, yeah, weird was... stuff. It didn't allude any in any way about a suicide. It talked about drugs, and then it mostly showed the guy, like, swimming in a pool in his clothes. Yeah, it really seems like it's going to be, like, an American beauty, white people in suburbs. Yeah, it made it seem like everybody takes drugs and has, like, a weird, like, experience with the drugs, and they, like... I thought it was going to be all about, like, yeah. adult 
youth drug relations. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the go of the early 2000s. <laughs> I, uh, like yeah. dazed and confused. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey has a short That's what I like about 12 year olds. I keep stabbing them, they say the same age. (laughs) That would have been awesome. I I guess my teachable uh, thing about this movie is sometimes it's good to watch movies that you know nothing about, but going a little deeper, I don't think you should make up a word. And name your movie that works. <laughs> yes. That is a fantastic teacher. We have not had another movie. It's weird to think we have not had another movie that brought up this seemingly obvious point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's my teachable moment. Is there another movie that's like that where it's like it made up a word? That made up a word, and so it's like, like it's like the name of the movie is like Yo Splaz or something. Yo Splaz. <laughs> well, like, I'm sure. Yeah. There's yeah. there's movies where. Because that movie is called that, that became part of the common lexicon. Yeah. Like the Gaslighting movie. Oh, Gaslight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. But Gaslight is like, there's a light that is part of a gas. It's not like there's a scrubber. (laughs) And Gaslighting is is like a, that's more well known. But right. Right, and that movie basically like made that idea. Yeah, yeah it like, introduced it because they literally have gas lights that are turned on and off in that movie. Like, or like, oh, this is a, a Rashomon type story. Yeah, okay, Rash, Rashomon because Rashomon is the place that oh. they, these men are at, and so Rashomon isn't necessarily a word. But again, not yeah. a word that was made up. Yeah, so there has so, to be another. Example. Yeah, we'll, we'll super Califragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah. There you go. Man. But um but that's not Chitty the... Chitty Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep you naming Julie Andrews. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang doesn't have Julie Andrews. No. Um, not not that other Dick Van Dyke truly Damn scrumptious it. bitch. <laughs> truly scrumptious bitch. Man. Paolo, <laughs> are you finally stumped on a No, I know I have a teacher one. I'm just thinking like Man, Dick Van Dyke is like such a good, like stupid porn star. The cum scrubber star, Dick Van Dyke. Uh, <laughs> oh, Dicky, Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke, still, uh, still a good man. I haven't heard any bad news about it him yet. It would be so. like Dick Long Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> in the Magnolia, this would broadly be called an ensemble drama, where you have just, like, tons of big names, and every big name is seemingly given, like, equal screen time, and it's it's just a bunch of different storylines. And I've noticed that, like, this is a movie that people try to make all the time. Do you remember when uh, Emilio Estevez made Bobby? About yes. the Bobby Kennedy assassination? Oh, man. And yeah. it's, it's that sort of thing? I watched that movie. I, I'm going to say that I think that movie is dog shit. And I think it's because I I think, and Chum Scrubber is a perfect example of like... Dog shit? Dog shit. But of like, ensemble dramas are not something that you should be doing unless you you know you have a mastery of tone. Because like, as I mentioned, an inherent part of that is that you're doing a broad swath 
of stories and emotions. And if you were doing a movie where it's a bunch of stories, but everyone's going through the exact same emotion, what's the point? That's a boring thing. The point of having a bunch of stories is to see a, a, a bunch of different points of views and things and how they relate. And so you shouldn't even try to do that unless you know what you're doing. It, the, the, people always seem to try to make this as their first movie or they want to make something, some big statement and you really have to build up Or to at this. least watch a, Ro- uh, a Robert Altman movie. Yeah. Well, even Robert Altman. Robert Altman started with smaller casts and built up to that. Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie is not Boogie Nights, it's Hard Eight, which has like four characters and then like yeah. a few tiny speaking roles, but it's, it's centered on a core group so you prove that you can make a, a story with one main character good. And if you're good with that, why don't you try a few more? But don't start with like 10 main characters and then be like, I guess I'll figure out what these shots are going to look like when we were on set. And uh, so yeah, that would be my teachable lesson. Don't try to do this shit if you are bad at directing. <laughs> Wait until you're better. Wait until you're better. Yep. Suicide is bad. Check. <laughs> All right. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to say? Or go watch it, everybody. Yeah, watch this. Go watch. I want to say chum, scrubby, <laughs> chum scrubby. I keep thinking of the like um, those like cute little bubble scrubs. <laughs> yeah. What are those called? Oh god, um, yeah. Oh, the scrub little bubbles. Yeah. Right? Aren't they like Lysol? Or they, they, I always like in the commercials where they, they like dance over the bathroom tiles. Yeah. The bathroom, then, then they like, shine. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, there's the, some like the classical scum music. <laughs> the scum bubbler. Oh, man. That's, All right. That's adorable. All right. Well, this has been The Secret Cinema. I'm Paolo. I'm Carrie. What's up? I'm Gabby. Thanks for joining us, Gabby. Yeah, thanks. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this is fun. It was great. You better do another episode someday. Yes, yes, I was going to say yes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Yes, chum scrubber. (laughs) And we'll be chum scrubbing you later. Bye. Adios. I feel like, is it going to be like, secret cinema? You know. It'll be something like that. (laughs) But now I'm leaving all this in. (laughs) All right, bye. My eye! Oh shit! Help! 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 Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Corona. All theme songs and original music are written and performed by Ricardo Ortiz. Any additional music or samples are taken from the film featured on this week's episode. All logos and artwork are created by Carrie Chafee. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at Carrie Saw This and see more of her artwork at www.carriechafee.com. You can watch Paolo's short films at www.vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at www.letterbox.com slash Follow The Secret Cinema on Instagram at Secret Cinema Podcast, on Twitter at Covert Celluloid, or like us on Facebook. The Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright law. Secret Cinema is a product of Larry Lake Productions. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.